Turning Point Coaching and Consulting presents Kairos Conversations, Connecting with Quality, the podcast. Kairos is Greek for the right time, the right season, and the right opportunity. This podcast features healthcare quality professionals who share their journeys, their advice, their struggles, how they made that transition into a new and exciting role. My heart's desire is that you find this podcast to be inspirational to you as you make your own journey. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and rate us on whichever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you for being here. Hi, friends. Today's podcast will be a little different. Instead of interviewing others, I share my own journey in this solo episode. You will hear how I made the transition into healthcare quality, why I'm so passionate about this space, and the advice I wish someone would have told me. Enjoy. I'm Brandy, a healthcare quality executive by day and a consultant and career coach by night. I started coaching other clinicians Um, as I went through my own journey, because I was able to get into roles that have historically been reserved for registered nurses. And people would ask me, how did I do it? They would ask me for help with their resumes and advice. And so coaching kind of happened organically over time. But I'm really passionate about helping others to find ways of staying in healthcare without being directly at the bedside um, or in direct patient care. So There's so many ways that we can use our clinical expertise and the degrees that we paid so much money for and really still impact patient safety and the patient experience. So many people ask what I do within the healthcare quality space. Currently, I am a quality and risk director at an inpatient rehab facility. So I manage things like the patient experience and patient safety I work with all the different clinical and non-clinical teams to make sure that our patients are safe, make sure they have what they need, make sure we are improving processes that will affect them and affect our frontline staff members. I also work with medical staff credentialing, so making sure that our providers, the physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants are competent to have privileges to provide care at our facility. And then... There's some other odds and ends that I do as well, but risk management is also a big part of my role. So if there is an adverse outcome for a patient, then I am the face of that. And um, when regulatory bodies or the state comes to our facility, then usually I'm the face of that. So that's a big role there, but I didn't start out in an executive role like that. I initially started out as a program coordinator within the rehab department um, at a community hospital that I used to work at. And this position came open, well, the position came open in 2013, and I accepted the role in 2014. But at that time, it was a newly created position, and it evolved over time. And what it evolved into was helping to standardize processes across the rehab department at our hospital system and the different rehab departments to make sure that no matter which hospital a patient went to, they could expect the same type of care within rehab. It was also heavily into data because I found a love for data and making it actionable and being able to graph it to show, to help people to make decisions from it. And I also managed the student 
program. So I was the site coordinator for clinical education for our PT, OT, and speech language pathology students. And so, again, that started back in 2014 and grew over time. And during that same time period, I started working for an accrediting agency where I would survey hospitals for quality and safety, but specifically for orthopedic specialty programs at hospitals and ambulatory surgery centers. And I did that for about seven years. So I was doing that concurrently with the program coordinator role for most of that. And um, then I've also done some work as an advisor for a transitional DPT capstone course on value-based care. So I've been in healthcare quality since 2014 and over time have just fallen more and more in love with it because of the impact that I can have on multiple patients and more patients than I could if I was in direct patient care. So I'm a physical therapist by background. Um, I've been a therapist or practicing as a therapist since 2005. And I worked in several different settings. I started out in acute care and hospital-based outpatient. I've done long-term acute care. I've done freestanding outpatient. I've done inpatient rehab. So I, I always wanted to be a generalist to be able to see any type of patient that came to me. I was a traveler for about four years. And so I traveled throughout the Southeast and ended up in um, doing a travel assignment in Atlanta. And that's how I ended up in this area and have been here ever since. So back in 2012-ish, 2013, I started to realize that I wanted to do something different. So I had been a physical therapist for about seven years at that point, and I just knew I didn't want to be at the bedside forever. I wasn't burnt out at that point, but I wanted to use my clinical expertise to do something different before I burnt out. And I knew I didn't want to use or do manual labor, use my back and hurt my back long term. And at that time, I was working in acute care. So it is heavily with lifting patients and helping them to stand up, which was some some challenging patient caseload. So I wanted to do something different. But at that time, I the only thing I knew about progressing as a therapist was to be a clinical expert, um, to go into academia, or to go the rehab supervisor director route. I didn't want to go back to become board certified because, again, I wanted to be a generalist. I didn't want to go into academia because I didn't want to do lesson plans. And then the supervisor rehab director route just seemed like there was a glass ceiling there. And people, when people got into those kind of positions, they stayed there. And so none of those really appealed to me once I started to really identify what I wanted to do. So before I decided that I didn't want to be a clinical expert or academia or going to academia, become a rehab director, I actually applied for a rehab supervisor role that I thought I was qualified for, thought I deserved, but didn't get. And it really, really, really just made me pause and do some self-reflection about what I wanted to do with my career. And like I mentioned, there was only a few things that I thought physical therapists could do outside of the clinic. So as I started to explore those routes more and do some self-reflection, I started to figure out what I was most passionate about and what I would want to potentially do long-term. And back then there wasn't a lot of support or, or, or others like me in healthcare quality roles. I didn't know therapists in those roles. All I knew was nurses in those roles. And it was really a process to really grow into that. And all of these social groups and courses that are around today did not exist back then. And if there were some resemblance of them, I didn't know about them. So I started to make that transition into a new career path. 
back in 2013, 2014, and have not looked back, have honestly have not looked back. Um, what really excites me about healthcare quality is being able to impact the patient on a broader scale to be able to reach more patients than I could if I was at the bedside and to be able to reach the people that are at the front line to be able to impact them. And I'm really passionate about keeping patients safe and I am on a mission to reduce preventable harm in healthcare. I want to make the system safer for our frontline colleagues to make it easier, less clicks on the in the electronic medical record, less loopholes to jump through because usually those who are in direct patient care are there because they enjoy helping the patient and they just want to provide good care. And there's all these things that are barriers and, and things that make it a little bit harder, but that's why we get into healthcare is because we want to help other people. I also want to make the system easier to navigate for patients and families. It's very challenging if you're not in healthcare, just as a, a lay person, to figure out how to navigate the system, how to access the care that you need to access, how to get to the doctors and the nurses and the therapists that are needed for whatever the patient is going through, how to go through the different parts of the continuum of care, whether that's acute care or your post-acute options or some of your specialty options. It's just really hard and there's a lot of red tape, unfortunately. And so the easier we can make it for our patients and families, really the easier we're making it for our community. Hi, friend. Are you listening to this podcast wondering how you can start your own journey into healthcare quality? Or maybe you've already started, but you're hitting some roadblocks and getting stuck at the application process. Well, my friend, I've got a free resource for you. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to my website and grab the ebook, Top Three Mistakes Clinicians Make When Transitioning into a Non-Clinical Role. The link will be in the show notes section. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. What barriers did I encounter? One barrier was finding roles that specifically only wanted a registered nurse. And it really took some time, but I have figured out how to get past some of that, whether that's talking to the recruiter because job descriptions can be changed or applying anyway, even though they say they want to register a nurse and really being able to articulate why I add value to that particular role. But there are ways around that. And I think the more and more therapists that can get into roles like these, the more that they'll see our value and our worth in being able to do things like this. Another barrier that I encountered was potential pay cuts, right? So when I was trying to transition into another role, one role I remember, this was several years ago, I applied for a quality improvement coordinator role at a different hospital than the one that I was working at at the time. And when the recruiter was presenting me the offer, it was, and I kid you not, it was $30,000 less than I was currently making. And I was just floored because of the work that was expected of this role. And I, I just couldn't believe that they were offering $30,000 less. Um, of course, I didn't take that particular role and talking to the recruiter, oh, forget that she said that, you know, that would be a lifestyle change to take a role that was $30,000 less. And so she definitely understood, but I that was a role I just couldn't take even for the opportunity 
And then a different role that I applied to at the hospital that I was working with at the time wanted me to take a, I think it was about a $3,000 pay cut, which doesn't sound like that much, um, to transition into a different role at the hospital. And I, you know, proposed to the compensation department that they at least let me transfer laterally, right? Just let me keep the same pay, even if I don't go up and pay for this opportunity, at least let me keep the same pay. And they weren't willing to budge. So I actually didn't take that role, which, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe I could have or should have. I mean, that's neither here nor there now, but they were all stepping stones and learning opportunities for me to practice interviewing and practice negotiating. And they really were launch pads for my confidence in getting the future roles that I have gotten since then. So Yes, you will encounter some roles that are paying less than what you're currently making. Um, Sometimes you might take a role that pays slightly less in order to get your foot in the door. Other times you'll just say no, because there's another role that's available and waiting. It's all a matter of really identifying what you want to do and what it's worth to you at the time um, for the direction that you want to go. So advice that I would give is number one, just start. Sometimes we try to overthink things and we try to have the whole plan mapped out in front of us and it just doesn't work like that. You get clarity as you start moving. Um, I've heard it said that you can't steer a parked car. So you have to start moving and then you get more direction as you take each step. The second thing I would say is to find the interaction or sorry, the intersection of your passions, your skills, and your strengths to identify work that you love, work that matters. Because we spend so much time at work that we want it to be meaningful. We want to do work with purpose, work that has impact versus just going in and clocking in and out of a job that pays us a good paycheck, right? We want to do work where we're going to see the impact of what we're doing. So before you start applying at roles and updating your resume, really take the opportunity to do some self-reflection and figure out what fuels you and where your strengths would be best used so that you can really show how you would add value to your next role. And then number three, I would say don't give up. It's not easy when you're out there looking for another role. The job marking that we're in is different than it has been in the past. And so don't give up. Keep going. There is a role out there that is for you. And it ju- it just takes time. Healthcare in general is hard, but if everyone leaves healthcare, what system will we have for our generation and future generations to be able to receive care? Right. So healthcare is hard, but there are roles within the space that would allow you to still use your clinical expertise, your clinical judgment, in a non-patient facing role. And then I would say apply anyway. You know, there's jobs where you won't meet 100% of the qualifications or the job requirements, but you apply anyway, because if you met 100% of the job qualifications, you probably get bored pretty quick. So you want a role that you're going to be able to grow into and learn from too. So a lot of times we limit ourselves and what potential we have because we choose not to apply. And then there might not even be that many applicants, but because, and you could have gotten the role if you had just applied, right? But you didn't apply, so then you would never know. So I would say apply anyway. The things that I think contributed the most to transitioning into another role was number one, experience with project management. I was the one that would volunteer for projects. I was the one that would take students. I was the one that would 
volunteer for committees. So I would say volunteer for the things to take items off of your leader's plate. I'm often asked what clinical skills I highlight that were directly transferable. Um, one of them was project management, again, from volunteering for those different roles and being a part of different teams. Clinical education for taking students and managing my caseload, their caseload, the whole gamut that goes with taking a student. And then interdisciplinary collaboration, which requires us to lead by influence. And those are skills that are directly transferable that we already have, right? I'm also asked, did I take any extra courses or certifications that help land the job? And I will say no. I didn't take any extra courses or certification until after I got the first role, the program coordinator role. And then I started taking continuing education related to healthcare quality. I took some free courses through IHI, which is the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. And I didn't get my CPHQ or the Certified Professional in Healthcare Quality Certification until several years later. I think it was 2020, I think is when I got that certification. So it was many years after that. And I think it was helpful in that way because I had the lingo, I had been in the role, I had been around this part of our industry, this space. And so the certification was validation of what I knew. Um, and it was a natural next step. My defining point was not getting the job that I wanted and I thought I deserved. It really caused me to sh totally shift the whole trajectory of my future career. And I would not trade it for anything in the world. It's been an amazing ride and the best is yet to come. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It would mean a lot if you would share this episode with a friend or a colleague. I would be honored to encourage them in their journey too. 